0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Kathapotli, the story box for children. Children today I will tell you a story by Hans Christian Andersen. Hans Christian Andersen was a very famous author and has written several beautiful stories for children. Today I will tell you the story of Thamblina. Once upon a time there was a woman who wished very much to have a little child. But she could not obtain her wish. At last, she went to a fairy and said, I should so very much like to have a little child. Can you tell me, where can I find one? Oh, that can be easily managed, said the fairy. Here is a barley corn of a different kind to those which grow in the farmer's field and which the chickens eat. Put it into a flower pot and see what will happen. Thank you, said the woman. And she gave the fairy 12 shillings, which was the price of a barley corn. Then she went home and planted it. And immediately there grew up a large handsome flower. Something like a tulip in appearance. But with its leaves Tightly closed as, as if it were still a bud. It is a beautiful flower, said the woman and she kissed the red and golden coloured leaves. And while she did so, the flower opened and she could see that it was a real tulip. Within the flower, upon the green velvet stamens, sat a very delicate and graceful little maiden. She was scarcely half as long as a thumb and they gave her a name of Thumbelina which meant tiny because she was very small. A walnut shell elegantly polished served her for a cradle. Her bed was formed of blue-violet leaves with a rose leaf for a counterpane. Here she slept at night, but during the day she amused herself on a table where the woman had placed a plateful of water. Around this plate were ruts of flowers with their stems in the water, and upon it floated a large tulip leaf, which served Tiny for a boat. Here the little maiden sat and rowed herself from side to side with the two oars made of white horse hair. It really was a very pretty sight. Tiny could also sing so softly and sweetly that nothing like her singing had ever before been heard. One night, while she was Laying down in her pretty bed, a large, ugly, wet toad crept through a broken pane of glass in the window and leaped right upon the table where Thumbelina lay sleeping under her rose leaf quilt. Hmm, what a pretty little wife this would make make for my son, said the toad. And she took up the walnut shell in which Thumbelina lay asleep and jumped through the window with it into the garden. In the swampy margin of a broad stream in the garden lived the toad with her son. He was uglier even than his mother, and when he saw the pretty little maiden in her elegant bed, he could only cry, Crock, croc, croc. Don't speak so loud. She will wake up, said the toad. And then she might run away, for she is as light as swan's dome. We will place her on one of the water lily leaves, out in the stream. It will be like an island to her. She is so light and small. And then she cannot escape. And while she is away, we will make haste and prepare the state room under the marsh, in which... You are to live when you are married. Far out in the stream grew a number of water lilies with broad green leaves which seemed to float on the top of the water. The largest of these leaves appeared farther off than the rest and the old toad swam out to it with a walnut shell in which little Thumbelina lay still asleep. The tiny little creature woke very early in the morning and began to cry bitterly when she found where she was, for she could see nothing but water on every side of a large green leaf and no way of reaching the land. Meanwhile, the old toad was very busy under the marsh, decking her room with the rushes and wild yellow flowers to make it look pretty for her new daughter-in-law. Then she swam out with her ugly son to the leaf on which she had placed poor little Thumbelina. She wanted to fetch the pretty bed that she might put it in the bridal chamber to be ready for her. The old toad bowed low to her in the water and said, Here is my son, he will be your husband and you will live happily in the marsh by the stream was all her son could say for herself, himself. So the toad took up the elegant little bed and swam away with it. Leaving Thumbelina all alone on the green leaf where she sat and wept. She could not bear to think of living with the old toad and having her ugly son for her husband. The little fishes who swam about in the water beneath had seen the toad and heard what, he, what she said. So they lifted their heads above the water to look at the little maiden. As soon as they caught sight of her, they saw she was very pretty. And it made them very sorry to think that she must go and live with the ugly toads. No, it must never be. So they assembled together in the water, round the green stalk which held the leaf on which little maiden stood, and gnawed it away at the root with their teeth. Then the leaf floated down the stream, carrying Thumblina far away out of the reach of land. Thamblina sailed past many towns, and the little birds in the bushes saw her and sang. What a lovely creature. So the leaf swam away with her farther and farther till it brought her to another land. A graceful little white butterfly constantly fluttered around her and at last alighted on the leaf. Thambalina pleased him. And she was glad of it, for now the toad could not possibly reach her, and the country through which she sailed was beautiful. And the sun shone upon the water till it glittered like liquid gold. She took off her girdle and tied one end of it round the butterfly, and the other end of the ribbon she fastened to the leaf. Which now glided on much faster than ever, taking little Thumbelina with it as she stood. Presently, a large cockchafer flew by. The moment he caught the sight of her, he seized her around her and de- her, uh, seized her round her delicate waist with his claws and flew with her into a tree. The green leaf floated away on the brook and the butterfly flew with it for he was fastened to it and could not get away. Oh, how frightened little Thumbelina felt when the cock chauffeur flew with her to the tree. But specially was she sorry for beautiful white butterfly which she had fastened to the leaf For if he could not free himself, he would die of hunger. But the cock chauffeur did not trouble himself at all about the matter. He seated himself by her side on a large green leaf, gave her some honey from the flowers to eat, and told her she was very pretty, though not in the least like a a cock chauffeur. After a time all the cockchauffeurs turned up their feelers and said She has only two legs how ugly that looks She has no feelers said another Her waist is quite slim pooh She's like a human being Oh she's ugly said all the lady cockchauffeurs. although Thumbelina was very pretty then the cock who had run away with her believed all the other when they said she was ugly and would have nothing more to say to her and told her she might go where she liked. Then he flew down with her from the tree and placed her on a daisy and she wept at the thought that she was so ugly. And all the while, she was really the loveliest creature that one could imagine, and as tender and delicate as a beautiful rose leaf. During the whole summer, poor little Thamblina lived quite alone in the wide forest. She wove herself a bed with blades of grass and hung it up under a broad leaf to protect herself from the rain. She sucked the honey from the flowers for food and drank the dew from their leaves every morning. So passed away the summer and autumn and then came the winter. Long and cold winter. All the birds who had sung to her so sweetly were flown away. And the trees and the flowers had withered. The large clover leaf around the shelter of which she had lived was now rolled together and shriveled up, nothing remained but a yellow withered stalk. She felt dreadfully cold, for her clothes were torn, and she was herself so frail and delicate that poor little Thumbelina was nearly frozen to death. It began to snow too, and the snowflakes, as they fell upon her, were like a Whole show full falling upon one of us. For we are tall, but she was only an inch high. Then she wrapped herself up in a dry leaf, but it crackled in the middle and could not keep her warm, and she shivered with cold. Near the wood in which she had been living lay a cornfield, but the corn had been cut a long time ago. Nothing remained but the bare, dry stubble standing up out of the frozen ground. It was to her like struggling through a large wood. Oh, how she shivered with the cold. She came at last to the door of a field mouse, who had a little den under the corn stubble. There dwelt the field mouse in warmth and comfort, with a whole room full of corn, a kitchen and a beautiful dining room. Poor Thumblina stood before the door just like a little beggar girl and begged for a small piece of barley corn for she had been without a morsel for almost two days. You poor little creature, said the field mouse. Oh, who was really a good old field mouse? Come into my warm room and dine with us. She was very pleased with the uh, with Thumblina. So she said, You are quite welcome to stay with me all the winter, if you like, but you must keep my rooms clean and neat. And tell me stories, for I shall like to hear them very much. And Thumblina did all the field mouse work and found herself very comfortable. We shall have a visitor soon, said the field mouse one day. My neighbours pay me a visit once a week. He is better off than I am, he has large rooms and he wears a beautiful black velvet coat. If you could only have him for a husband, you would be well provided for indeed. But he is blind, so you must tell him some of your prettiest stories. But Thumblina did not feel at all interested about this neighbor, for he was a mole. However, he came and paid his visit, dressed in his black velvet coat. He's very rich and learned, and his house is 20 times bigger than mine, said the field mouse. He was rich and learned, no doubt, but he always spoke slightingly of the sun and the pretty flowers because he had never seen them. Thumbelina was obliged to sing to him. Ladybird, ladybird, Bird, Fly Away Home and many other pretty songs. And the mole fell in love with her because she had such a sweet voice. But he said nothing yet for he was very cautious. A short time before, the mole had dug a long passage under the earth which led from the dwelling of the field mouse to his own. And here she had permission to walk with tiny uh, now, whenever she liked. But he warned, warned them not to be alarmed at the sight of a dead bird which lay in the passage. It was a perfect bird with the bleak and feathers and could not have been dead long and was lying just where the mole had made his passage. The mole took a piece of phosphorescent wood in his mouth and it glittered like fire in the dark. When he went before them to light them through the long dark passage, when they came to the spot where lay the dead bird, the mole pushed his broad nose through the ceiling. The earth gave way so that there was a large hole and the daylight shone into the passage. In the middle of the floor lay a dead swallow. His beautiful wings pulled close to his sides, his feet and his head drawn up under his feathers. The poor bird had evidently died of the cold. It made Thumblina very sad to see it. She did, she did so love the little birds. All the summer, they had sung and twittered for her so beautifully. But the mole pushed it aside with his crooked legs and said, He will sing no more now. How miserable it must be to be born a little bird. And I am thankful that none of my children will ever be birds. For they can do nothing but cry. Yes, you may well say that as a clever man, exclaimed the field mouse. What is the use of his twittering, for when winters come, he must either starve to be frozen to death. Still, birds are very high-bred. Thumbelina said nothing. But when the two others had turned their backs on the bird, she stooped down and stroked aside the soft feathers which covered the head and kissed the closed eyelids. Perhaps this was the one who sang to me so sweetly in the summer, she said. And how much pleasure it gave me you dear little bird. The mole now stopped up the hole through which the daylight shone and then accompanied the lady home. But during the night, Thumblina could not sleep. So she got up out of the bed and wove a large beautiful carpet of hay. Then she carried it to the dead bird and spread it over him with some down from the flowers which she had found in the field mouse's room. It was so soft as wool and she spread some of it on each side of the bird so that she, he might lie warmly in the cold earth. Farewell, you pretty little bird, she said. Farewell. Thank you for your delightful singing during the summer when all the trees were green and the warm sun shone upon us. Then she laid her head to the bird's bre- breast but she was alarmed immediately, for it seemed as if something inside the bird went thump thump. It was the bird's heart. He was not really dead. Only be numbed with the cold. And the warmth had restored him to life. In autumn, all the swallows fly away in the warm countries. But if one happens to linger, the cold seizes it. It becomes frozen and falls down as if dead. It remains where it fell and the cold snow covers it. Thumblina trembled very much. She was quite frightened for the bird was large, a great deal larger than herself. She was only an inch high, but she took courage, laid the wool more thickly over the poor swallow and then took a leaf which she had used for her own Counterpane and laid it over the head of the poor bird. The next morning she again stole out to see him. He was alive but very weak. He could only open his eyes for a moment to look at Thumblina, who stood by holding a piece of decayed wood in her hand, for she had no other lantern. Thank you, pretty little maiden, said the sick swallow. I have been so nicely warmed that I shall soon regain my strength and be able to fly about again in the warm sunshine. Oh, she said, it is cold out of the doors now. It snows and freezes. Stay in your warm bed. I will take care of you. Then she brought the swallow some water in a flower leaf and after he had drank, he told her that he had wounded one of his wings in a thorn bush and could not fly as fast as the others who were soon far away on their journey to warm countries. Then at last, he had fallen to the earth and could remember no more uh, nor how he came to be where she had found him. The whole winter in the swallow remained underground and Thumbelina nursed him with care and love. Neither the mole nor field mouse knew anything about it, for they did not like swallows. Very soon spring came, and the sun warmed warmed the earth. The swallow bade farewell to Thumblina, and she opened the hole in the ceiling, which the mole had made. The sun shone in upon them so beautifully that the swallow asked her if she would go with him. She could sit on his back, he said, and he would fly away with her into the green woods. But Thumlina knew it would make the field mouse very grieved if she left her in that manner. So she said, no, I cannot. Farewell then, farewell. You good pretty little maiden, said the swallow, and he flew out in the sunshine. Thumlina looked after him and the tears rose in her eyes. She was very fond of the poor swallow. Tweet tweet sang the bird as he flew out in the green woods and Thumblina felt very sad. She was not allowed to go out in the warm sunshine. The corn which had been sown in the field over the house of the field mouse had grown up high into the air and formed a thick wood to Thumblina, who was only an inch in height. You're going to get married, Thumblina, said the field mouse. My neighbour has asked for you. What good fortune for a poor child like you. Now we will prepare your wedding clothes. They must be both woolen and linen. Nothing must be, want- must be wanting when you are the mole's wife. Thumblina had to turn the spindle and the field mouse hired four spiders who were to weave day and night. Every evening, the mole visited her and was continually speaking of the time when the summer would be over. Then he would keep his wedding day with Thumbelina. But now the heat of the sun was so great that it burdened the earth and made it quite hard like a stone. As soon the summer was over, the wedding should take place but Thumblina was not at all pleased, for she did not like the tiresome mole. Every morning when the sun rose and every evening when it went down, she would creep out of the door and as the wind blew aside of ears of corn so that she could see the blue sky, she thought how beautiful and bright it seemed out there and wished so much to see her dear swallow again. But he never returned, for by this time, he had flown far away into the lovely green forest. When autumn arrived, Thumblina had grown had her outfit quite ready, and the field mouse said to her, In four weeks the wedding must take place. Then Thumblina wept and said she would not marry the disagreeable mole. Nonsense, replied the field mouse. Now don't be obstinate, or I shall bite you with my white teeth. He's very handsome mole. The queen herself does not wear m- wear more beautiful velvets and furs. His kitchen and cellars are quite full. You ought to be very thankful for such a good fortune. So the wedding day was fixed, on which the mole was to fetch Thumblina away to live with him, deep under the earth, and never again to see the warm sun, because he did not like it. The poor child was very unhappy at the thought of saying farewell to the beautiful sun And as the field mouse had given her the permission to stand at the door, she went to look at it once more. Farewell, bright sun, she cried, stretching out her arms towards it. And then she walked a short distance from the house, for the corn had been cut, and only the dry stubble remained in the fields. Farewell, farewell, she repeated twinning her arm around a little red flower that grew just by her side. Greet the little swallow from me, if you should see him again. Tweet, tweet, sounded over her head suddenly. She looked up and there was the swallow himself, flying close by. As soon as she spied uh, Thumbelina, he was deb- delighted. And then she told him, how unwilling she felt to marry the ugly mole and to live always beneath the earth and never to see the bright sun anymore. And as she told him, she wept. Cold winter is coming, said the swallow, and I'm going to fly away into the warm countries. Will you go with me? You can sit on my back and fasten yourself on with your sachet. Then we can fly away from the ugly mole and his gloomy rooms far away over the mountains into warmer countries where the sun shines more brightly than here, where it is always summer and the flowers bloom in greater beauty. Fly now with me, dear little Thumblina. You saved my life when I lay frozen in the dark passage. Yes, I will go with you, said Thumblina. And she seated herself on the bird's back with her feet on his outstretched wings and tied her girdle to one of his strongest feathers. Then the swallow rose in the air and flew over forest and over sea, high above the high, mount- highest mountains, covered with eternal snow. Thumlina would have been frozen in the cold air, but she crept under the bird's warm feathers, keeping her little head under cupboard, so that she might admire the beautiful lands uh, over which they passed. At length, they reached the warm countries where the sun shined brightly and the sky seemed so much higher above the earth. Here on the hedges and by the wayside grew purple, green and white grapes. Lemons and oranges hung from the trees and the woods and the air was fragrant with martels and orange blossoms. Beautiful children ran along the country lanes playing with large gay butterflies, and as the swallow flew further and further, every place appeared still more lovely. At last, they came to a blue lake, and by the side of it, shaded by trees of the deepest green, stood a palace of dazzling white marble, built in the olden times. Vines clustered round its lofty pillars, and at the top were many swallows, nested And one of these was the home of the swallow who carried Thumbelina. This is my house, said the swallow. But it would not do for you for you to live there. You would not be comfortable. You must choose for yourself one of those lovely flowers. And I will put you down upon it. And then you shall have everything that you wish to make you happy. That will be delightful, she said and clapped her little hands for joy. A large marble pillar lay on the ground which, in falling, had been broken into three pieces. Between these pieces grew the most beautiful large white flowers. So the swallow flew down with Thumbelina and placed her on one of the broad leaves. But how surprised she was to see in the middle of the flower a tiny little man as white and transparent as if he had been made of crystal. He had a gold crown on his head and delicate wings on his shoulders and was not much larger than Thumblina herself. He was the angel of the flower for a tiny man and a tiny woman dwell in every flower and this was the king of them all. Oh! How beautiful he is, whispered Thumblina to the swallow. The little prince was at first quite frightened at the bird uh, who was like a giant compared to such a delicate little creature as himself. But when he saw Thumblina, he was delighted and thought her the prettiest little maiden he had ever seen. He took the gold crown from his head and placed it on hers and asked her name and if she would be his wife and queen over all the flowers. This certainly was very different sort of husband of the son of a toad, or the mole with my black velvet and fur. So she said yes to the handsome prince. Then all the flowers opened, and out of each came a little lady or a tiny lord, all so pretty, it was quite a pleasure to look at them. Each of them brought Thumblina a present but the best gift was a pair of beautiful wings which had belonged to a large white fly and they fastened them to Thumblina's shoulders so that she might fly from flower to flower. Then there was so much rejoicing and the little swallow who sat above them in his nest was asked to sing a wedding song which he did as well as he could. But in his heart, he felt sad for he was very fond of Thumbelina, and would have liked never to part from her again. "'You must not be called any anymore,' said the spirit of the flowers uh, to her. "'It is an ugly name and you are so very pretty. We will call you Maya.' "'Farewell, farewell,' said the swallow." with a very heavy heart as he left the warm countries to fly back to Denmark. There he had a nest over the window of a house in which dwelt the writer of fairy tales. The swallow sang Tweet Tweet and from his song came the whole story. So children, I hope you will enjoy listening to the original story of Thumbelina Stay tuned for more such stories and subscribe to the podcast. Bye.